I am Sam J. Jones, Flash Gordon. Okay. Oh, okay. excuse me. That's okay. It's been a long day. <laughs> the Dome always does that to me. Okay. It's good to be seen. It really is. And you're listening to Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. Don't think you get me so easily. It is now time for us to put Earth under our rule. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess that you've been guilty of witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Five by Saturday night. Good morning, everybody, because if you're listening to this live in Singapore, it is, in fact, morning. It is TalkCast 215. Tonight, redefining pain in an overmedicated world, finding out if Tylenol can, in fact, take the place of major medication. I'll tell you now, the answer is no. Deep in Area 51, <laughs> on the sub-level 19 True South Crossway, next to the Fairley Brothers School of Dumb and Dumberness, I am the Dome. Joining the talk cast tonight is the whole cast. From the Revere Time Vortex, our violent soundboard vixen, Viscount of Technicalness, sometimes level-headed, oft-times outspoken, occasionally awesome, potentially acerbic, the woman who put the catnip in Katniss and likes the way it happened, it's Kriana. Allegedly. If, in fact, it actually happened. From the stacks of her personal silent zone in the Dank Dungeon reading room, which she remembers to unmute herself, she can be quite interesting or verbose, one or the other, not both. The personal assistant to Jeffrey Peterson, friend of robots everywhere, Zombrarian. I was all set to be like, hi, I muted myself right on time, and then I couldn't, my hand got tangled in my... <laughs> In my power cord, and I couldn't get to the button on time. <laughs> and it's not like we didn't expect that. From the Four Color Vault of Comics in Manchester, New Hampshire, our ginger ingenue, the woman best remembered as the understudy for Laverne and Shirley, Cindy Williams, and the zombie version of Tennessee Williams' Dead Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, our very, en- very own reanimated body double for any dead body, it's the dead redhead. I wasn't throwing eggs at anyone, and you can't prove it. It's you and Justin Bieber forever. <laughs> Tonight on TalkCast 115, we're going to talk in the second half of the show, and actually, hopefully he'll join us for the first half as well. Our guest tonight is Aaron Wood, artist, knitter, and all kinds of other stuff. Welcome to the show, Aaron. Thanks for having me, guys. Um, by way of just, you know the way things have been going for as long as we've been at Boston comic-con Aaron has been there. And every year we've been walking by his booth going, this is some of the coolest stuff we've ever seen. And every year it's different stuff and, and really just beautiful graphic design. And we've been saying for five years, we need to get you on the show and we've finally done it. And I'm really happy to hear. I'm finally glad to be here. Cool. (laughs) (laughs) So that having been said and me having said it, what's happened this week in the world of science fiction? Now, it's funny because... Yeah, we have. 
just today, too. Russell Johnson, who most people is, know him from Gilligan's Island as the professor, but he was also in a lot of 50s science fiction movies, including This Island Earth, and it came from outer space, and a bunch of other really, really cool things that you watch on Saturdays when it's rainy outside and you don't want to go out and do anything. Um, yes, and he was... Let me find it again. He was getting up there, too. He was in his 80s, I believe. If I look here. If you insist. You know, people think that you, if people remember him from just from Gilligan's Island, they don't realize that he had this, this huge uh, career in what were then considered B-movies. Yeah. And... Uh, he, he did a ton of science fiction stuff that later became very cultish classics, among them, again, This Island Earth. Yep. And uh, for those of you who haven't seen it, you know, you, you can get them anywhere, do it. It's, it's good, cool, fun. Uh, it's good 50s uh, science fiction. Actually, it's about 90, it says, because he was born wow. in 24. So. And to be fair... His role on Gilligan's Island, as a huge Gilligan's Island fan, his role on Gilligan's Island was probably the closest thing to sci-fi on that show. Anybody who could That's make a radio out of two coconuts and Marianne's bra, <laughs> definitely. <laughs> he made a lot of things out of coconuts. He really Let's did. Be fair. He absolutely did. And, and you know, no he did make being a scientist kind of cool because he was there and he would always explain things. So that you can understand? Yeah. This week, Gilligan, we're going to get uh, thermonuclear power from that <laughs> big volcano over there on the other side of the island. But we're not, not going to repair the hole in the in the because fishing boat. that's the easy part. Why do it easy? <laughs> so the uh, man was trying to figure out where Ginger's outfits kept coming from. <laughs> Not going there. Not going there. <laughs> Her trunk, obviously. Which she carried on the three-hour cruise. Exactly. Through, through no, there was actually yeah. at one point an episode where they explained why she had all her luggage with her on the three-hour tour. I remember it. <laughs> Do you remember what the reason was, Umbrarian? I think it was something about she was using the tour to pass time between when she checked out of her hotel and when her flight. It was some really mundane reason. Hmm. And then she was being a diva and she refused to leave it all. If you know why it is that Ginger <laughs> carried all of that luggage on the three-hour tour of Gilligan's Islas, shoot us, shoot us an email or hop in the chat room right now if you're listening live. And the millionaire and, and his wife had all of theirs with them too. Thurston Howell III and Lovey. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Speaking of Thurston Howell III, this is the worst segue ever. <laughs> um, the best female character in all of science Stop! fiction. Stop! Hold the presses! Newsflash! Newsflash? Pam is not dead! Damn! <laughs> It's just somehow Ustream has locked him out of chat. And there he is! He is in chat! Welcome now, back, all is right with the world. Excellent. Back to your regu regularly scheduled Good. program. 
Excellent. Everybody just take a deep breath. We can all move forward now. Uh, the favorite woman of science fiction who has never been able to get a TV show or a movie to ever work for her has once again bombed out. CW has been working on a Wonder Woman show for close to two years now. And this week, once again, gave up on it. Yay! Um, and this is kind of weird because CW is developing series about The Flash, Hourman, uh, Constantine is getting a pilot on NBC. Oh. Uh, I can't imagine how bad that's going to be. Oh. Uh, once again... Probably about as good as the movie. Except it won't have Tilda Swinton as a really, really confusingly and ridiculously hot angel. <laughs> and Keanu Reeves, who is not British and is not blonde, and this anyway. And can't act. And can't act. Well, that goes without saying. But I just meant at least for Constantine. <laughs> well, CW has has actually done a, a really good job with Arrow. I'm still really enjoying the show. I'm really enjoying the spin-off of how the Flash is going to look. But the president of CW told The Hollywood Reporter, it depends on the script. We were very careful with Arrow. We're being careful with Flash. And we're going to be careful with Wonder Woman. You get one shot to get it right. And we don't have it. That's actually a really refreshing outlook. Especially on for the CW. Shows. Yeah, no kidding. I was actually impressed with that that quote. I'm surprised and really impressed. Although I will say that the CW, for all of the fun we make of it, they do take pride in what they do. Now, CW also has, like, vampire diaries, right? Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> Enough said. <laughs> but... <laughs> Did, no. They had Buffy for a while, didn't they? Or they did absolutely they? did when they yeah. were the WB. Yeah. When they That's were right. the WB, they yeah. had Buffy and Angel. Angel, right. They had almost the entire run of Angel. Yep. So, so let's I mean, give them credit where credit's due. They do well with genre stuff. Uh, CW's president uh, is the one who made that statement, Mark Petowitz. And uh, yeah, I'm impressed. Uh, I'm definitely impressed, and I'm very impressed with the way Arrow is looking. Uh, it could have gotten the second season blues into it, but uh, they've done a great job of moving the series forward. Um, the only thing that I hate that the CW does, and I'm going to be right up front with it, is they don't run any more commercials than the major ne the other networks do. But they do run them more often. They they block them differently. So instead of getting like five breaks during a show, you'll get like eight. Oh, that's annoying. And I mean, there are ways around that. But seriously, I mean, you've got to stop doing that. And their product placement for Microsoft products drives me insane. <laughs> hey, oh if it gets the money to make Arrow more, yeah, I'm absolutely. okay with it. And I'm really glad that somebody's saying no rather than going half-assed with a, with a uh, 
with a pilot or even, you know, pushing a show out, which is what's bothering me with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. right now. See, I think you and I are going to disagree, so I want to hear your opinion on this. What, on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Yeah. It's inconsistent as hell. I love it. Oh, I don't, I don't hate it. Um, are you, are you caught up? Oh, I'm absolutely caught up. Okay, when they revealed that Sky was in 084, I was like, ready to die. It oh, by the way, spoiler so warning, everyone. Yeah, I, I'm not caught up, and I just, can, can I jump in here and say something about this? Did you even understand what I just said, though? Kind of. <laughs> not really, though, right? See, I was cryptic about it. Got your back. Go I've, I've actually disliked it, and I, I've talked about this on my buddy's podcast before. Uh, we've all butted heads about this, and I think it's poorly written as far as it's a superhero show without any superheroes, kind of yes. like Heroes was. I think, and I think the direction they should have taken was they needed B and C grade villains. And I mean, like, they needed yeah. them. Like, and not just like a generic villain that shoots lightning or something like that. They needed, like, Okay, here's a C-list uh, Spider-Man villain that's going to show up, and you know, not even like a, a villain of the week kind of thing, but maybe once in a while throw something in that fits into the arc, because the whole centipede thing is kind of corny. Okay, that's all I got to say. I'll go back to muting myself. <laughs> no, no, stick with us. Oh, okay. <laughs> I prob- my problem with it has been, you know, last week uh, when they had uh, Coulson's reveal about what happened during his. Time during <laughs> Now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. I have to say that Zombrano <coughs> and I were very behind for a while, but I am sorely disappointed in the rest of the cast mm-hmm. because before they revealed what happened to him in Tahiti at the, at the end of an episode, um, they got a little Whedon verse referential, and no one <laughs> said a damn thing about it on the show that week, and I am so disappointed. In both of you, <laughs> and I see someone knows what I'm talking about. The oh, rest absolutely. of the podcast. Well, I, 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 I thought you, you meant guys, the rest I had of... stopped watching it, so I didn't. See All right, it. well, well you get a pass, but Dome, you get no pass. And no, I haven't absolutely. watched enough Whedon stuff to. Did you get to what make... it was, Dome? Yeah, absolutely. What was it? What that didn't happen last week? It didn't happen last week. No, it was two weeks ago. At least that I think. we didn't talk about on our show, right? No, I don't. I'm not sure. You were confusing me on it. You okay. made it sound like I'm you were sorry. disappointed in the cast of. No, I, I'm disappointed in in. Well, Dead Redhead got me. Dome, I'm disappointed in you because at the end of the episode, I think two weeks ago, Coulson goes, "Did I fall asleep?" And and the attendant replies, "For a little while." Oh yes, oh. that's right. Oh. Yeah. From Wait, Dollhouse. Is- and Zombrian and I heard that. We looked at each other. We had to pause the TV while we squealed. Because <laughs> yeah, oh. we were sure they were going to be like, oh, yeah, we saved his personality and uploaded it. Oh, that would have been really cool nice. if, if he was actually like a Coulson clone and the Coulson clone was a doll that they had downloaded his personality into. <laughs> gotcha. Um, I am hoping that's what it still turns out to be, although... It could very well still be that. I mean, because, you know, the technology that they kind of have revealed in that, mm. they still haven't let you get, given you any glimpse of where it came from. Yeah. That's true. And, the tele- and we still haven't dealt with the telepath. The oh, my God. The clairvoyant. 
And that's that's just pissing me off. Can you remember the right names for things? No, I can never. Rem- <laughs> I can't even remember how to pronounce John Delancey's name. He's 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 telepathetic. That's right. Telepathetic. <laughs> telepathetic. That now is I'm awesome. going. I'm going to express something that is apparently a. Uh-oh. A minority <laughs> opinion here okay. on the show, but I think Agent, Agents of Shield had a bumpy start, and I think I think it's a lot like Dollhouse for me. Had a very bumpy start, and then started hitting its stride. And Dollhouse ran into a problem where Fox executives were being Fox executives. And they were canceled and painting themselves into corners. But I think that S.H.I.E.L.D. has the potential to, now that it's hit its stride, to continue um, improving. And I'm actually glad that they're not doing as many cameos and nods. Because I like that it's, it's a secret agent show. I like that. That it's it's, it's, it's stopped being so much of a superhero show, and it's become more of a man from Uncle show. Yes. Than anything else. Yes. And I and, like that about it because it's called Agents of Shield. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's in the Marvel universe with but all it's these about Shield. Things. It's not a superhero show. But look, in in Avengers, Shield played like seventy five percent of that movie. They had the helicarrier. They Coulson. Mm-hmm shoots loki i mean but and then now it's going to be back to a desk job and fighting you know some guy that has a implant on his arm i mean where's the punch (laughs) see and i like it i like the the kind of world building aspect of and here's what happens with every day well not everyday people but yeah here's what happens to secret agencies when you're in a world with superheroes like, well, you can have that. Just show some more superheroes. <laughs> it's like if if Law and Order SVU was like, oh, and by the way, here's Commissioner Gordon visiting from <laughs> Gotham, and he's going to join <laughs> Detective Munch on this case. That would be the best thing ever. Right? Kind of would. It's not um. so reliant on super and, oh, I've heard of that guy. It's it's kind of, and here's what's happening in the background of this stuff that you really already love. My problem mm-hmm. continues to be, two weeks ago, they had what I thought was an incredibly good episode. The episode this week was so, so far inferior to it. And it's yeah. just a, a matter of the writing not being consistent. I yeah. enjoyed this week's episode. I really? thought it was great character building. And I thought that the nod to having a weather machine was adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Who are the are they agents of Halliburton now? What? <laughs> and it, it almost reminded me of, of, of uh, Fitz and Simmons go to Hogwarts. <laughs> they are so cute, and I love them, and they should do that all the time. They are awesome. Are, you know what Fitz and Simmons are? Fitz and Simmons are quintessential Whedon characters. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that They're Scooby Gang. By the way, you should never say Fitz and Simmons ever again. It's Fitzsimmons. I think that Fitzsimmons are quintessential Whedon characters, and I think that they are one of the strengths of the show. And I think the show's writers are figuring out that a lot of people who watched the show aren't watching it 
necessarily because it's Avengers related. They're watching it because it's jo- a Joss Whedon show, even mm. though it's not a Joss Whedon show, really. It's a Jed Whedon show at this point, but yeah. But I think that they're trying to swing back to it being a Joss Whedon show. Hmm. And to do more ensemble cast, strong characters and characterization, Hmm. and less about, oh, hey, I recognize that guy, or, oh, hey, Thor showed up for five minutes. Thoriel. But you're still going to go, oh, hey, I recognize (laughs) that guy. Maybe he's born with it. They keep dropping them in, and I... And I don't mind that one damn bit. I, I don't mind that at all. I don't mind yeah, it when it works. That. Like when they had the Fury cameo at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was amazing and I loved it. But yeah. some of them have felt kind of forced. Yeah, yeah. Well, they've done it in in uh, to help promote movies that are coming out during the times that the uh, the episodes are playing. Yeah, yeah. sometimes and it has like been product placement. That. Yeah. You have Sky go, oh, hey, look, Bucky Barnes. His name's <laughs> here. And you're like, yeah, I know. Winter Soldier's coming out. <laughs> Whatever. It's just product placement for Marvel. And that's fine. You know what? I'm going to let him have it. Because the Marvel Universe in, in television and film is probably the, the, the cleanest and best it's ever been. Yep. No question about it at this point. Does L'Oreal have a catchphrase that I could put in here? Does who? Thoriel. 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 Because oh. maybe maybe he's born with it. That's a different one. Um, <laughs> That's Maybelline. And then Easy Breezy. <laughs> <laughs> Easy Breezy, beautiful cover god. <laughs> that was not good. Not bad. That's Thank not you. bad. Thank you. He really does have amazing hair. <laughs> if only it was his. Thank you, Wig. Exactly. <laughs> Speaking of wigs, nice transition. Thank you. My biggest guilty pleasure on television has just been voted one of 2013's best shows of Canada. Oh. And that is Lost Girl. Uh, and for those of you, uh, Lost Girl season four, it's on its way to the Sci Fi Channel right now and will be. Uh, be shown this summer, I believe. It's they're actually showing season four in Canada right now, and Anna Silk is is just wonderful. Uh, this is a show that depends on visual as well as good writing, and they do a great job. With you all. mean boobs? No, I don't. <laughs> Not just boobs. Not uh-huh. There are boobs and there are some abs in there as well. Uh, only if you're really into Dyson, but and me personally, not so much. Like but this yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, congratulations to Lost Girl. I think uh, it's it's well deserved. It's one of the one of the best Canadian shows out there right now, and the the. Ratings that it's getting on Sci-Fi are uh, are a good indication of that. When at the same time, Helix, which they've been just touting the hell out of and doing everything they can possibly do, is probably the best show with no audience in America right now. I well, the- to be fair, they might have been touting the hell out of it, but they weren't doing it in the right places because I didn't realize it was going to happen. I know, I know. 
Well, they did. The commercials were very strange too. You had to actually pay attention to the commercials to figure out even what was going on. It's like, okay, there's some kind of virusy stuff with plague. Is it zombies? What's going on there? And it's um, the South Pole. And, and then uh, suddenly it was on because you know how a lot of times, like, look, they're they're talking about orphan blacks new season which is on in april and it's january and i mean i think i saw the ad for helix two days before it started and they're like hey we're putting this on it was like oh my gosh okay i better tape it to see if we're gonna like it or not and first of all ronald moore who did battlestar galactica is is the creative force behind it now Ronald Moore does does a yeoman's job work. He's terrific at it, and he's very good at creating moods. Mood he created with Battlestar Galactica was gloom. He did a great job with that. Uh, but it's pretty creepy. For whatever reason, it pulled in less than two million viewers, and was, was beaten. <laughs> no, it was beaten. Believe it or not. By Bering Sea Gold on the Discovery Channel. Oh, oh yes. And I mean, this is... This is there we go. Proper use. So, you know... Thank you, thank you. It, it also finished behind Full House at, at Nick and Knight. Uh. So, you know, it's it's got to find uh, an audience if it's going to succeed. But, damn it, it wasn't bad. What did you think? You watched it, Dead Redhead. I did, and both X and I, and believe it or not, X watched the whole thing, so that ought to tell you something right there. It ain't no X also watched what? Smallville. <laughs> well, he has no taste. So um, but no, I we both watched it, we both got into it, and went, well, this, this is very interesting, okay. Except that the, the one guy there who is kind of showing them around, he is so obviously sneaky, but it's like, why is he being so sneaky? He's being so just, I'm not going to tell you anything. Um, I thought that all the stuff with the monkeys was pretty weird. Yeah. Because uh, that monkey looked like a real human being. And for a while, I thought we were trying to say that they were trying to put people genes into the monkeys and turn them into little people. It was weird. The way well, monkeys are 97% people anyway, so I really doubt that would really make much of a difference. But it was the way that they showed the monkey. I have you had to have seen the picture of it. It just it looked like a mini human being, for some reason. It was strange. Um, and they've set it up where we have the potential love or non-love interest stuff, and and we've got all the elements there. Um, I think if as long as they can keep the suspense up, that's where it's gonna. Where if they gonna don't have an audience, there's not going to be much more time for it. And I'm sure it's not cheap either. No, the, the production values in it are quite good. There's they, a lot they, of, it's yeah. not like that Michelle Geller series where they <laughs> they blue screened the ocean and it was just horrifying. That it was. Oof. Where well, she played her own sister or something like that. It was She she played her own twin somehow. I, anyway, they're I don't know, but Orphan Black blew it out of the water. I mean, oh, absolutely. It was such a a good show. Can I just say that, you know, the blacklist is up for an award and I told everybody that was a good show. And now people are saying it's the best show of the fall season. I'm like, told you guys it was a good show. Told James you Spader good show. rocks. <laughs> Spader's good at whatever, you know, Spader is, is it's very difficult for him to, 
him to be the reason a project fails. Yeah, he better not it's fail Ultron. Past yeah, no kidding. That's that may be <laughs> awesome, huh? Oh, that's going to be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, we've talked about absolutely nothing for half an hour, and it. <laughs> <laughs> It's seriously, what have we talked about? A couple of TV shows. Yeah. And yeah, and, and we're halfway through the show, which means it, it's time for our poll. It's poll time. And you know what it's like if you've been polled. That oh, I'm here we go. That, that was my joke three years ago, darling. Well, you didn't use it this week, so somebody had to. So what I did is we came up with a poll that asked, what is the best science opening line to a science fiction novel? So, you know, people actually who read had to answer this one. <laughs> Which was, you know, some of our people who answer the polls, I wonder sometimes. But um, So, yeah, our, we had a tie for third place. And this actually is a very interesting list. We had a tie for third place, and that was between... Stephen King's Gunslinger, the very beginning of the first book of the first Dark Tower series, and Fahrenheit 451. I can't believe that didn't win, but that's just me. Fahrenheit 451's opening line is a classic. Yep, and those two were our third place tie. Uh, coming in at second place was The Restaurant at the End of the Universe, and what was the opening line to that? Do yeah, know let me know? let me see if I can get back to that. Give me one second, and I can read it to you. We need we need some vamp music there, you know, to just kind of damp music. Yeah, to vamp our way, and and fumper or fumper music is what it should be. Fumper music. While she's fumpering um, about. Yes. Let me specifically. There is a theory which states that if ever anyone discovers exactly what the universe is and why it is here, it will instantly disappear and be replaced by something even more bizarre and inexplicable. There is another theory which states that this has already happened. Hmm. That's thank, not you, bad. thank you, Douglas Adams. Absolutely. Yes. R.I.P. Douglas. <laughs> He's <And> dead. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. No, he was in Tahiti. <laughs> With Asimov, right? <laughs> and Heinlein. Yes. And Ray Bradbury. They're all just sort of chilling. No, Bradbury is dead. And our he was a curmudgeon anyway. Coming he could still do me. <laughs> <laughs> just saying. Is the opening line to Slaughterhouse Five? Oh. Is what? People vote for it. Hey, 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 you do not get to Kurt Vonnegut. Uh. Okay, but Fahrenheit 451 comes in third, and s I have feelings. <laughs> All I'm going to okay. myself for a minute and express wait, wait, them. Wait a minute. Let's, let's think about this for a minute. Well, you listen didn't vote, Sombrarian, if you had voted. Well, I, it still wouldn't have won. <laughs> it might have. People just need to have better taste. <laughs> and this is how you gain Im gain listeners and friends. <laughs> by the way. Thank you, Norman Vincent Peale's daughter. All right, I'm going to mute myself and express my opinions now. 
But I mean, people that have taste, we have some good ones here. I mean, somebody quoted uh, quoted Dirk Gently. Speaking of Mr. Adams, um, one of our friends of the show, Karen Goslin, uh, quoted Blood Rights from the Dresden Files, and I actually like love the Dresden Dresden Files. Absolutely, the line is the building was on fire and it wasn't my fault. (laughs) (laughs) This time. It's a great opening line. So we actually have some cool ones that showed up. Well, the thing that the thing that impresses me when we do something like this is the diversity of our listeners. Yes. And I don't expect to hear Kurt Vonnegut. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Um, mm. You know. Yeah. And, and yet, you guys are constantly blowing me away. Thank you all, uh, everybody. Who's involved in this week's poll? Yes, and, and of course uh, we'll have another one next week until we can find a better way to do it than this, because the asshats at Facebook took away our ability to use poll. Oh no! Well, yeah. that's it. if I had put up like five sentences or something, then people could have voted on it. But right. we can't oh. do it that way anymore. We just have to leave it open ended and hope that enough show up to give us more than one of ninety different things. So, mm. so you know, it, it'll work in a half-assed way for un, until we can find a better way to do it. And I know, Kriana, you're looking into seeing if there's a better way that we can do it. And we're still working on that. Which brings us to the art and propaganda of Aaron Wood. Yay. <laughs> <laughs> I bring my own fanfare, people. I bring my Absolutely. Own Absolutely. It's good to be here. It's, uh, no, it's really good to have you here because, like I said, for as long as we've been doing cons, which has been five years now, mm-hmm. we've been bumping into each other virtually once or twice every year and going, oh, man, I really like your stuff. I know Kriana owns some of it. I own some of it. Uh, and, and what draws us to it every year is the kind of, well, for lack of not talking about anything other than what we were just talking about, a Douglas Adams-ish tongue-in-cheek to a lot of what you're doing. You bet. It's, it's, so it's, it's, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, I don't, somebody actually said to me at Boston Comic Con, no, it was Chicago, uh, two years ago, they said to me, what's your political bent on this? And I'm like, I have none, it's just parody, it's meant to be lighthearted humor. You know, not not I'm not there to you know promote any one company or anything like that. So I, I like to have fun with it, basically. So explain to our listeners who may not have seen your stuff, and we're going to have links to your website and and other places where they can look at your stuff uh, as they're listening to the show. Sure. Explain what it is you do and how it is you do it. I uh, like to take current. Uh, trending it's like social media or uh, sites like Pinterest and things like that, uh, companies like Android, Apple, and turn them into these World War II uh, from the 30s and 40s or Art Deco from the 20s, kind of these propaganda posters like you would see, you know, victory and let's all fight the enemy and that kind of stuff and and just put the spin on it to, to make modern day stuff meet with this old retro stuff and it it's funny how well it kind of marries up and works every time so where did you come up with the idea to even 
do something like this? I mean, it's a very original concept, first of all. Uh, I uh, got my start doing this because I started on Google Plus, and I've told the story so many times. I try to put a different spin on it each time, but it's you can lie as much as you want. It's okay. <laughs> uh, you know, everybody was on Facebook, and Google announced that they were going to put out Google Plus, and I went kicking and screaming and said, "The world does not need another social media site." And I don't like Google to begin with. I'll, I'll say I know I've just lost half your listeners right there. You're fine. Um, so you're fine. I said, uh, you know, everybody on there was basically hating on Facebook, hating on Apple, hating on Twitter, anything that wasn't Google. They hated. Uh, one day I came up with these three posters: one for Google Plus, one for Facebook, and one for Twitter. That you know, harken back to this old wartime propaganda, and they went viral. I was lucky enough to get shared by some key people that were on Google+, because back in the day during beta, everybody circled each other, and there weren't like clicks or lines drawn or anything, so everybody knew everybody else. And yeah, I just got really lucky, and then they, it spread to a bunch of geeky sites, and it just blossomed and went from there, and I've kept it up ever since. So how do you, I mean, because every year when we see you, uh, actually, there have been a couple of years when we've seen you at two or three different conventions. You have literally, or at least it feels like to me, literally different new stuff every time. Yeah, I do. Um, I'll get <clears throat> I'll get people that will come up to me and say, hey, you should do this kind of poster, or hey, you should do that kind of poster. And I try to limit it to just telling me the company to do, not exactly the tagline for it or the wording. Um, and people have been after me to do a Tumblr poster. So I just finished a Tumblr poster and actually just got it in the mail today from my printer. So uh, sometimes it's hard to come up with imagery and taglines for companies that don't have anything that's really a recognizable thing. Like Tumblr is a blog. They don't have a really you know, outrageous logo that you can parody. They don't have a catchphrase. They don't have a mascot. So sometimes I really have to sit down and be like, hmm, I actually have to use my brain <laughs> and come up with something. <laughs> um, I recently, no, you, yeah. you're really putting yourself down now because some of your stuff, I mean, looks like, oh, yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. But I mean, who would have thought to take that spin on it? I mean, yeah. you really do have to think this through a lot. I do sometimes, yeah. It's 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 fun though. It's that's where the challenge lies: is coming up with something that's not cliche because everybody can take the Rosie the Riveter image and change the hell out of that, you know, and make it into you know Princess Leia. Not putting anybody down because I've seen it online so many times. Um, I like to do stuff that's original, and. Uh, I actually had a problem with somebody that called me out within the first week of doing this saying that I ripped his buddy off. And I actually went to his buddy's site and looked at it, and he had taken old wartime posters, like uh, if you loose lips sink ships and the Rosie the River kind of thing, and just swapped out the text to be more modern-day uh, type verbiage. And I said, no, that's not what I've done. I've done original stuff. So, But the nice thing is, is I gave the guy who did these other posters a shout out. Instead of being that internet troll that's come back and, and was really angry, I said, no, you know what? His stuff is his stuff. He's 
he's taken the time to do that. I'm not going to put it down. You know, he's a fellow creative guy. So in the end, I made peace with both the artist who came into the Reddit thread and, and came back and said, hey, thanks for doing that. And his buddy actually went back and apologized and struck through the accusation. So that was nice. I actually won something on the Internet. I get I get an award for that. I think it's on in the mail. <laughs> But uh, yeah. in your email, check I your spam folder. I just try to be as creative as possible and, and not do stuff, you know, and, and I look at a lot of other people's stuff these days that kind of is along those lines. And I'm like, damn, I should have done that. Like, there's so much Mario propaganda and Star Wars. There's so much great Star Wars propaganda out there. And everyone said to me, you need to do Star Wars posters. And I finally did four Star Wars posters that weren't like the usual. Because if you think about it, one of the key things about World War II was it was a war. And everybody that's when propaganda is is big. It's during a war. Well, Star Wars is a war. It's easy to do stuff to show troops and stuff like that. And sometimes I don't like to do that straightforward approach. I like to kinda, you know, make it more subtle. So that's another challenge is coming up with something that's not so straightforward. It's like my bacon poster, which has bacon planes on it and bombers and flags and stuff like that. So bacon planes. <laughs> yeah. I think part of part of the beauty is that it's well thought out, it's well produced, and there's there's an uh, almost a fake aura of simplicity to it that belies what what it's actually talking about and actually how good the art is as well. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm, and that's difficult to do. Yeah. I think it it is it really is and i would have to say over the years my art has kind of suffered because i do everything digitally back back in the day um i i had a sketchbook i had pen and ink and i would attack the page with my colored pencils and everything and i do everything kind of digitally these days uh and my art was very detailed and in some ways that helped me out these days, because of my art's gotten very simplistic, and Art Deco is very simplistic, and propaganda can be very simplistic. It's the imagery that you see that's really the the driving force behind it. Um, there are some people out there that do really nice, intricate uh, stuff, and I'd love to get back to that, but I think I found myself in a good position because my art got more simplistic and more gra- more towards the graphic design and typography standpoint that has helped me make these have more of an impact rather than coming up with these huge, elaborate, really in-depth art pieces that somebody's going to spend hours and hours looking at. Mine are like, you look at it and you read the line and you look at what it's about and you think about it and then you laugh and then you tell your friends about it, then they laugh kind of thing. Mine's more of a chain reaction than I sit down and ponder like a, you know, like a Salvador Dali painting or something like that. Not that I'm putting in myself in the league with Salvador Dali. <laughs> <laughs> the exact opposite. <laughs> now, on your Tumblr site, mm-hmm. you have, is it a lot of your latest latest stuff? I cannot make Tumblr function for me to save my life. I, <laughs> uh, I had Will Wheaton actually tumble my uh, video game posters, which was awesome. But I can't seem to get anywhere with it. So I'll just throw stuff up there. It is mainly newer stuff. Like I did a Tumblr poster. I put that up there. Um, But I find that Tumblr is great if you have a Sherlock fandom or a Doctor Who fandom. (laughs) 
<laughs> uh, you know, or or you're you're mixing up Martin Freeman and Hobbit stuff, but um, or you're a fan of you're a fan of Homestuck, but uh, other than that, it's uh, it's tough to or or you're into porn. So one of those many things I just mentioned, you've got it made if you're on Tumblr. Um, my stuff is is kind of hard. It's a hard sell because I think that people are looking for stuff that's animated. Uh, stuff that's really crazy, and I don't know. I, I get lucky sometimes. I posted my Minecraft posters, God, I don't know, last year sometime, and about a week ago, suddenly I started to get, re I say retumbled. I don't know what they reblogged. <laughs> I got reblogged like twenty more times out of nowhere. Just suddenly started going, and that's one of those kind of chain reaction things. You know, somebody sees it and it just boom, 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 takes off again, and then it stopped after a couple days. So. I guess that's what's good about Tumblr. You can, you, it's one of those like Wikipedia black holes of the internet where you go in there and then all of a sudden you, you're looking up like, you know, uh, the periodic table, of the elements, and by the end of the night you're looking at David Hasselhoff. You know, so I don't know why. <laughs> Not that I've ever done that, oh but my uh, God. <laughs> you know, you, it's just this crazy thing where you just leapfrog and you can go in and look at someone else's archive and you see an image or something in there they like and boom, there you go. So yeah, I ramble a lot. <laughs> you're fine, man. Fine. Oh, it's super. it's funny because as you're talking, I can, and I'm actually looking at your Tumblr right now. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of looking and going, yeah, his art is who he is. Mm -hmm. oh, yeah. <laughs> I am I am very sarcastic. I'm a big wise ass. I've always been <clears throat> the guy that fights with his mouth and not with his fists. So, um, you know, I have to rely on my sarcasm and my humor to really get my point across. And, and since I'm an artist, I'm lucky where I can marry the two together and take the visual and the cerebral and kind of put them together and toss it out there to people. Facebook, join the cause. <laughs> Your friend's farm needs you. <laughs> All those virtual people are dying. <laughs> uh, oh, my. The horror. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, I just sit here and I could like sit here and stare at this stuff all night. And the first time I became aware of you was uh, when I was at Kriana's house and I was looking down at her coffee table and her coffee table has uh, posters uh, under the glass and that's where she keeps oh, her latest baby. posters. That's awesome. Yeah, Kriana, you're going to have to get me a picture of that. I got to see that. That's that's really clever. Oh, um, hmm. I, I don't have a picture of the current one. I wonder if I have a picture of it. That's okay. Not that I'm putting you on the spot. Oh, <laughs> I know. Well, I did take a picture at one point okay. to to show um, someone whose whose art that I had on there. I wonder, I wonder if yours was actually on there at that point. I think hmm. it was while we had the apple one in it. Nice. I think well, so, but it, it might take me a minute picture. to find it. Oh, don't, you don't have to do it right now. You can you can email it to me whenever. Oh, while she's oh. looking for it, I want to ask. <laughs> Yes. Can you tell us, I know that sometimes people don't want to reveal their secrets, but can you talk to us about your, like, actual process? Like, I know you mentioned you do a lot digitally sure. now. Sure. But I, one of my favorite things about your posters is the texturing you add to them. Yeah. 
And um, as a not very artistic person, I love hearing about how do you do that? Um, well, I either take um, like stuff around me, like tissue paper, crumple it up, throw it on the scanner and, and scan it. Or uh, luckily, there are nice people out there that either I toss some PayPal money to or they give it away for free. And I, there, it's the internet, so there's so many things out there that are available to you. Uh, so any of those three things, whether I'm making it myself or paying somebody that's already created it, or um, you know, basically is giving it away to other fellow creatives. I never, I if I'm using a font or I'm using a texture or something, I never or a Photoshop brush. I never take anything from anybody that says do not use this commercially. Um, I always try to, you know, make sure that I'm giving them some credit uh, or make sure that it is free, f- free to use and free to use commercially because I'm a big advocate for that kind of stuff. So I never like to rip off fellow artists. But, um, you know, there's a lot of old paper textures out there. You can make your own old paper textures. And, you know, when you're done, you just slap that on top and there you go. You've aged your art, you know, 40, 50 years. Boom. Just like that. And uh, really kind of helps to tie it all together. Some of the Art Deco stuff that I do, I don't put textures on just because it's uh, meant to look a lot cleaner and brighter and have more of an impact. So that's kind of my... And my do you do game. a lot of propaganda poster research, like into World War One and Two posters and the Art Deco stuff? Or I do, uh, especially the Russian stuff. Um, Russia actually has a amazing amount of uh, propaganda um, art, and you know it's it, it's just so amazing. So I I, I try to draw from that, um, and like I said earlier, I try not to. Uh, actually parody something that's already been done. I'll try to come up with an original spin on something myself. So um, I'll, you know, like uh, Russian stuff has a lot of reds and yellows and whites and gradients and imagery of people marching and stuff like that. So I'm more apt to go add a project in that sense rather than take a famous Russian poster and swap out uh, you know, the head of the, you know, beleaguered worker on it with Mario's head or something like that. So, <laughs> yeah. So I found the period in time where our table looked like this. Okay. Except I can only find pictures of it with, with stuff all over it. And I know I have a really good picture of it with no well, stuff on it. I'm going to have to leave this interview. I'm so mad. No, no! I'm such a prima donna. No! I was promised only red M&Ms, and I've, there's a green one in this bowl. So I'm sorry. I'm it's out. all my fault. What kind of rinky-dink show are you guys running here? I mean, <laughs> You haven't listened? You didn't know? I did. You know, you know, when I got home from Manchester, I did listen to a bunch of your podcasts, and they, they are so entertaining. I love this. I love this. Says podcast. one person. He's being nice. <laughs> I was paid to say this. Tonight. You'll get... Your Twizzlers later. <laughs> oh, oh, I found it. Oh. Now I feel like we should put that picture in the show notes since we spent so much time talking. I know. It's like it's, it's going to be a guest on the show every week. It's like, here's Aaron's art. The, the colors are all screwed up, though, and it's like rotated 90 degrees. Give me one second to make this slightly less astastic. <laughs> I love it. 
it's slightly our less. technical term for our photography skills here. <laughs> here it's fairly yellow. Oh, also, you can see my little feet. <laughs> <laughs> where, where I was uh, taking the picture here. Were you oh. taking a picture of your socks? No, no, I was actually taking a picture of the table, I think because I was headed to a con, and and I wanted to show um, one of the myriad artists who whose work is showcased on our table. Ikea um, should really pay us to endorse this table. Yeah, they should. <laughs> they should. All right, all right, all right. I, I have it cleaned up, and it is coming your way as soon as it finishes uploading. And it has finished uploading, and bam. Bam. It is in the Skype chat. In the Skype chat. Oh, my goodness. Now, Kriana. Yes. Now that you've finished doing that, Take a gander at the clock and figure out what you need to do next. <laughs> Too many things. Well, we while you're doing that, I'm going to ask the last question, and it's going to be the big obvious one. Go for okay. it, my dear. And do you have a favorite one of your own posters? Yes, I do. Um, either the uh, Don't Get Burned by Apple War Bonds poster or the Twitter Fail Whale are my two favorite posters. Oh, yeah, the Fail Whale. I love yeah. that one. Yeah. So Actually, my my favorite, if truth be told, uh, well, I knew Kriana had the... Uh, Guess which one my favorite the, is. Yeah, I know which one your favorite <laughs> is, because that's when I saw at your house. The oh. Apple Technology Sophisticated Perfection one. Oh, yeah. But, and uh, that's actually my, my favorite. girlfriend's favorite. She has clearly good taste. <laughs> yes, yes, she does. She does. <laughs> the correct answer there is yes. Good job. <laughs> I'm really torn between uh, the Skyrim Keep Adventuring one, <laughs> yes, and the Firefly one. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Uh, I haven't seen I haven't seen the Sky. Wait! 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 wait. Where's the oh, Skyrim it's so, one? It's so blatantly punny. It's it's bad. And one of the things about that one is I did it. I sold it at a few cons, and then. I'd say a few months afterwards, I started to get kids at conventions come up to me and go, do you know what that really means? And I said, no, because it says, keep adventuring, protect your knees. And, <laughs> um, like, I used to be an adventurer like you, and then I took an arrow to the knee. Exactly. Supposedly, taking an arrow to the knee is a Norse term or Icelandic term or something term for getting married. Oh, um, well, so that's a lot two less ways. fun. You're either taking a knee as in you're getting down on a knee and proposing, or you're giving up your certain ways and you're settling down with either a wife or, or, or you know, your husband or something like that. So, um, that, but you know what, as, as much as I heard that for two or three cons, then it stopped. So whether it's true or not, who knows? Because, you know, things from the internet are, aren't always what they may, say. May, may actually have been, <laughs> yes, exaggerated slightly. Yeah, my bit. favorite because I just love. I'm, I'm a huge fan. Oh my of god! Wait, now you have a Doctor Who one. Is that new? How new is that? Doctor Who is like ancient. That's like one of the. No, you couldn't have had that when when I bought mine because I totally would have bought uh -huh, it. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. No. It was actually not no. I saw you guys at Manchester, right? I think I actually did not bring any Who posters with me. Oh. To that show. Oh, I'm redeemed. Yes. I am redeemed. 
Poor Dome has tried man. to tell us his favorite for like five I minutes. I know. Go, Dome, go which one is your favorite? The Twitter Art Deco. Oh, yes. yes. It's just the... such classy lines, and it's just uh, beautifully proportioned and set out, and it's just my absolute favorite. Do you guys want to hear a fun story about that? Sure, absolutely. Um, the actual people from Twitter bought my first three posters that I did, the Phil Whale, the Be Brief, and the Twitter Victory, um, and put them all over the world in each of their like seven big offices. They ordered seven uh, of each poster for me. And so I did the Twitter Art Deco one, and I contacted the guy, and he goes, oh, unfortunately, that one's a little too dark and edgy. We've changed our, our Twitter bird to be more happy and upbeat, and all of our decor now is more, you know, along the lines of kinder and gentler. So we can't take that one from you and put it up. Wow. Like, oh, that's okay. But he, they loved, you know, the, other, the original ones that I had done, so... But uh, I, I like that one, too, and I had a lot of fun creating that, and the colors really came out well on that, that one. That, that bluish, uh, almost metallic, gunmetal bluish that mm-hmm. you turn the, the bird into just just pops. It's just an absolute beautiful thing. And I, I, we could sit here and talk about every single one of yours, and we probably should at some point, because, yeah. uh, you know, people who haven't seen your stuff, Come to Boston. Uh, we're, you know, as as we move along towards this year's con season, mm-hmm. uh, come back in contact with us and let us know where you're going to be. Certainly. Uh, I'll, I'll just assume for the hell of it, you're going to be the three days in Boston this year. Yeah, I've already uh, booked that. So, and I'll be all over the country this year. I'm so, so excited. Of, no kidding. I, I I I'm picking out the ones I'm going to pick up. <laughs> <clears throat> you better write him ahead of time there's some he doesn't bring anymore like the yeah. Doctor Who's uh, you know what I just ran out of inventory and I didn't I use a, a local print shop back from Western Mass well actually wait a minute that, yeah. that's the thing is you're not that far away I know where you live <laughs> yes I can I, we can arrange a drop off and uh, a meet up point and uh, just that look for the works. <laughs> Just look for the garbage can in the in the park, and we'll we'll make the drop off there. And, I, uh, I have it on good authority that there's a certain shop near Northampton that you in may even. in Northampton. Is it in Northampton? It's like on the edge, I suppose. Yeah, Webs is in Northampton. Webs. Yeah. Um, Webs. I I have it on good authority that mm-hmm. we both may be motivated to appear at that store at some point. <laughs> but I, I'm not near Webs anymore. It's too far away. You're not? Oh, Remember, is your Ravelry location not correct? Oh, I haven't changed that in years. I haven't knit anything in like three years, unfortunately. Aww. I don't knit anymore. I just I knit like four years and that's it. I gave it up. It frustrates me. You knit just one scarf. <laughs> I know. I made just one scarf. And then I actually, do you guys know who the yarn harlot is? Of course. Um, she is, she, I saw her twice. The first time I... I stood up, I was like one guy out of maybe three guys out of a sea of like 600 women and asked her a question. And I said, do you think that there's a certain kind of uh, uh, peer pressure to knit, um, like especially if you're a guy? And all the heads in the, in the Calvin Theater in Northampton swiveled to me and like looked at me, were burning lasers into me. And... Uh, so she answered the question, and we had delightful banter. And then Kathy uh, from Webs came over to me and said, "You're hilarious. We want you on our show." So uh, the nice. next time that the Yarn Harlot showed up, 
uh, I I'd held up a scarf, my one scarf, because I said I'm just going to make one scarf, so I got just one scarf. And then I dropped it and picked up another one, and I said, well, you know what? Because of the knitting peer pressure, I made two. And the place <laughs> erupted in laughter. It was it was well worth it. <laughs> so... Yeah, I, yeah. I see. I see that you may have actually made three scarves. I I have made a total of three scarves, one lace scarf, mitts, and a hat. So, wow. Kiana, are you Boston way now, or are you? Yeah, yeah, we're we're just north of. Okay, yeah. So we can we can probably still make a rendezvous somewhere out in this area then, rather than out. Oh, of so west. you're so you're actually closer. Yeah, about you know Quincy's about ten minutes south of the. Old oh, oh, Boston. absolutely. Easy, yep. easy, easy. Yep. Well, while they're setting up their play date... <laughs> yarn date! Yarn date! Okay, hang on. Sorry, All right. Sometimes we forget we're still on the air. Are we on the air? Uh, we've gone are way over. Are we like broadcasting? Hi, <laughs> Cam. I, I don't think we actually care because it's actually been a lot of fun talking to you, Aaron. And definitely we'd, we'd love to have you back as we get closer to Boston Comic Con so we can just kind of... Uh, push that appearance as, as one of our locals and uh, also be able to promote wherever you're going to be during the con season this year. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Thank you, guys. It's been awesome. Thanks. Kriana, what's happening on the show in the next couple of weeks? Well, next week, legendary artist Griffin S. And on February 1st, Jay Moores and Christy McDowell are joining us to talk about A Planet's Cry, their new series. J.M. Thakar is joining us on the 8th to discuss his monthly book, Barcode. On February 15th, we have the legendary Jamal Eigel to talk about Molly Danger and the dangers of Kickstarter. And on February 22nd, Dave and Steve of the Boston Area Toy Collectors Club, Dead Redhead. Sci-Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of Boston Comic Con, Granite Con, Rhode Island Comic Con, ComicArthouse.com. Visit ComicArthouse.com for the best deals on original art from dozens of your favorite artists. Tonight's outro music provided by the Traffic Lights. Pick up their CD Hold a Folk at RobWattsOnline.com. Dome. You do that stranger and stranger every week. I try. <laughs> I don't want anybody to get bored with it. Uh, no, they get bored with other aspects of the show, not to worry. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank Aaron for joining us tonight and uh, the phenomenal artwork. And I want to thank our cast for uh, taking time out of their busy week to come in and kibitz for an hour. It's one hour you're never going to get back, but it's an hour of fun for us. We hope you've enjoyed it. From the Revered Time Vortex, the sweetheart of the soundboard, Kriana and our grammar girl, Zomburian. Thank you very much, ladies. That's what she said. I can't follow that. And yet you have... From the Four Color Vault of Comics, great thanks to the dead redhead. And here we are again. Uh, this is Dome saying, Genie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy is increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Good morning, everyone. <laughs>